Also, so sometimes I just I just make the 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 zoom window like kind of smaller. Oh, you're so smart. I try, you know. You're so smart. Oh, and Moza, huge. Hello, Nina. Hi. Um, How's it going? Do you, still, do you still like me after? <laughs> yeah, I would. I always like you. Nothing would make me not like you. Also, it was only an hour and fifteen minutes. <laughs> okay. So I can give you anything that's under that time limit and you'll kind be fine. Kind of, you know? Okay. Like, and I think it, yeah, it, it had, it made me nostalgic for my, my youth. Well, I'll start off with a little bit of a synopsis, if you don't yes. mind. Yes, what is the story of Swan Lake for our listeners? So the film, I've learned, stays fairly faithful to the ballet in many ways. There is a young prince, Siegfried, who sees a beautiful swan and soon discovers that the swan is actually a beautiful maiden named Odette. And she has been cursed and held captive by an evil wizard named Rothbart. Siegfried and Odette fall in love. And Siegfried's birthday is the next day. And it's also the day his mom has decided that he shall become king and he needs a bride. I have to say, that seemed, I was like, mom, should have brought this up way earlier. But please it's real continue. Cash. It's real it's cash. cash. She's like, BT Dubs, birthday tomorrow. We're having a ball. Pick a wife. Yeah. So Siegfried's like, Perfect timing, Odette. I love you, and so you should come to this ball, and I will declare you my bride. And these plans are easily foiled by Rothbart and his daughter, Odile, who deceived the prince in choosing Odile as his bride. And in the end, the prince and Odette have to make sacrifices to save each other and to, to defeat the wizard, Rothbart. Mm-hmm. And most important to Swan Lake, 1981, there are two squirrels named Hans and Margarita who help the couple. Let me share some movie trivia. Okay. Hit me, hit me with And then I will go into some personal trivia with that I have with Hans and Margarita. This movie was made in partnership with a Japanese animation studio, Toei. It's the same studio that did Dragon Ball Z and Transformers, if anyone's familiar. And they did this movie with a studio that was then the Soviet Union. And that studio was Soyuz Miltfilm. I think I'm pronouncing that the maybe okay. correctly. I found some trivia that was on the movie's IMDb page. Mm-hmm. And it kind of explains maybe why many people have not seen this. Mm-hmm. So I'll just read directly from the trivia bit. Movie has two different existing English translation versions on DVD. Both are only available for purchase online and bootleg copy formats, as there was never an official American release for either. On VHS, one of the English translated versions was released in America officially, but still has a reputation for being very hard to find. So basically, if you were going to watch this, you watched it because you were blessed by a bootleg copy, as I was, I guess. Well, because I will say, in speaking to some other friends earlier, I mentioned it, and one of them did say that she thought she had watched it as a child. (gasps) We didn't go into it. I didn't get into specifics, but she was like, yes, I think I watched that as a child. So who knows where these bootlegs came from? Did your brother ever tell you how he came upon it? No, but I was talking about it with my mom because she saw me uh, watching this and she was like, oh God, this film. And, you know, Korean people of a certain age (laughs) know that Mm -hmm. back in the day before K-dramas were popular and you can stream them or, you know, before internet, there was a Korean video store and you would go to the Korean video store, much like Blockbuster, except way more lo-fi and maybe not quite as legit. And sometimes these like counters would be in like our local Korean grocery store too, but you would go up and like get a 
series of tapes of shows that were maybe two, three years old mm. from Korea. So we're always constantly behind. Maybe this video came from one of the stores and then maybe like the Ajima or Ajashi was like, you know, the kids really like this one. You guys keep on renting it. Why don't you guys just keep it? Oh. So like oh. maybe that's how we got it. I think that's charming. Um, I will clarify it because from the IMDb. So there's two English dubs and I'm not sure which dub I ended up watching, but I know that the version that's on the video platform and the link I sent you is the one that I watched as a child. Okay. So I don't know if that was the first or second dub. It's a really wild dub. This dubbing is terrible. I don't think a real actor would be involved with it. Not that it matters, but part of me was like, I, this had to be the first dub. Like I'm thinking like if you had to do a second dub, it would be to correct or to improve the first. I mean, they it, would definitely, be wild. Yeah. it would be wild to me if this was like the second better dub. They were like, we tried. Here you go. I'm going to say, you know, early 80s. Early 80s. It was a different time. It's a different time. So one um, thing I very much enjoyed about this film, I want to say it, is just the, the style of the animation. Isn't it great? It's so like, it's just like a warm blanket because it's that kind of really 80s. Like it had almost a very Black Cauldron-esque feel to mm -hmm. it. You know that Disney, like the years before, basically what, like Little Mermaid, Beauty and the Beast, and like Aladdin, you know, when they were like, no, we're going to really be into how great our animation is. And I think it's, they didn't redraw the backgrounds or something. I think that's one of the things that happens. Yeah. Everything seems kind of flat and static, but it's also, I love it. It reminds me of the Smurfs. There's just a lot of things happening. I love the animation style. I love, I think it's still really beautiful. There is like something to it. Like when you think about like the, now the CGI stuff we have that has all that depth. And I don't know, I don't like, it's not that it's bad. It's just like, I do think there is a difference to it. And I do find something very appealing about this version and that kind of animation. Do you want to know the story of how I learned that this was an adaptation? How did you? Tell me. Tell me now. It was my freshman year of college. Oh, wow. That's, that's pretty late. <laughs> that's what I learned. In my defense, Swan Lake never really came up in my life, you know, topic of conversation or, you know. I feel like so, it exists more as a like, like kind of a reference or a tossed off thing than something yeah. people really talk about, like the Nutcracker. Like it's, I don't know. So yeah, I understand Swan Lake exists, but I don't know if people really talk about it as a work. I went to a college where, let's say I was very much proletariat <laughs> compared to the people I went to school with. And a girl who lived on my floor was talking about Swan Lake. One of the reasons why she can watch the ballet over and over and over again is that different productions do different twists on the ending. So whether Odette and Siegfried die together and like ascend together to heaven, which I think was like the original ending of the ballet. I was going to ask you what on earth happens at the end. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> or that Odette and um, Siegfried live mm -hmm. or like one of them dies. So there are all these variations of level of tragedy. So she was discussing all the different ways ballet productions have like put the ending on. And I was like, oh, like that's really fascinating. What do the dancers who play Hans and Margarita do when Odette and Siegfried die though? Like what do they, how do they play that off? And she was like, who? And as soon as she <laughs> and as soon as she said who, I just had that like cold water realization. Oh, wow. Like, oh no, like I'm so stupid. Like I oh, Nina, course, this is like you're like a character on a Netflix show. But like I, it was so and I was trying to not and I was like, what? I didn't say anything. And she also, was like, honestly, no, who? Yeah. She's like, who? Who is Hans? What uh, what were your first impressions? My first impressions were, I was like, 
love this animation, the dialogue, it's real bad. Like, I mean, not necessarily the way I was like, it is not intended to be sparkling. It's not like they were reaching for great heights and they miss them. It was just like a lot of people being like, hey, he just turned that guy to stone after you have just seen that guy be turned to stone. Then also it is interesting to me, and this is maybe more a question about art, but certainly when you then like adapt that art to be for children, is that like, I think there is something to the way Rothbart treats Odette that is actually, I don't know if realistic is the term, but you know, but there is this kind of like toxic obsession uh, where you believe that like, if you could just, like if you could just make this person see, if you could just get her to give in to you, then she'll eventually be happy and love you or whatever. Or you just have to like ruin everything else that she could possibly do. Like that that dynamic of an abusive relationship. And it's interesting to see it the centerpiece of a, a animated film for children. That's what really unsettled me as a kid. I hope it would. I, it was so like, he was so pathetic. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, it didn't make him any less dangerous. It made him more dangerous, if anything. And it's very, yeah, it is very upsetting. Like, I don't think that would be in a kid's film now. No. This is interesting because when you told me that this taught you how a man can ruin your life, I think I was in this other way of like some kind of tragic love story, you know, of like, like something between her and the prince and then it would end poorly and it'd be like how, no, but instead of being like, no, literally a gross man. Like he took away her country, her parents, her freedom, Mm -hmm. her human form. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Put her in a literal birdcage. Mm-hmm. I Always. just really like that these squirrels spoke to you. Oh, because I, love- I because also like their relationship is also bad. It was so upsetting because as a kid that did not register to me. To me, I was like, these squirrels are so brave and so noble and so helpful, and you know they're helping Odette and Siegfried, and they don't have to. Like I was so taken with these squirrels, and then watching it now, I'm like, oh, they're bad. Yeah. They're as, as toxic as, you know, Rothbart. Like they just, but they, they, they kind of are like more like, I don't know, what is it, bolted out to or to this, to like kind of weird ideas about like, you know, like the husband and terrible, like mm-hmm. serial commercials, like he's an idiot, but she loves him for, you know, like, and then at the end it's like, he like proves he's sort of like, he gets turned into a frog and it's like, oh, look at him. He's kind of, you know, it was, it there is that, definitely it's a different whole, kind of bad relationship. It's like a yeah, different, this whole, a different variety. Like from Siegfried to Rothbart to Hans, like this movie definitely makes an argument to like dudes being like, oh, she may not like you or she, you may do something that she doesn't like, but if you are persistent and you make- Enough overtures and she will give in or will be yeah. charmed in some way. Oh, the creepiest thing for me, okay, I'm sorry, is where Odile transforms herself into Odette and Rothbart is all creepy and like- Oh yeah. Kind of tries and is like maybe trying to embrace her in some way. And, well, and she's then like, whoops. Like, well, she's like, dad, I'm your daughter. daughter. And it's like, <laughs> like, again, there are all these things that I'm like, what? I mean, I think it's like, again, children, they often don't understand things. But if they got curious to be like, why did he say that? It'd be like, oh, I don't even know how to tell you. Yeah. Um, how great is Odile, though? Like, despite her being evil and that like, she takes particular delight in seeing distress in others, like, she does seem to be having a lot of fun. Yeah, no, she's clearly like, or like, you know, because it feels like Odette is like, in the Taylor Swift video, You Belong With Me, it's clearly the band geek Taylor. That's Odette on some level. <laughs> and then Odile is like the bad like cheerleader who wears like, I don't know, like crop tops. Mm-hmm. It's a, I, don't, I don't enjoy the video, but you know what I mean? Hey, That's how they felt like to me. Is, yeah, like, Odile I mean, is having more fun and she's cooler because she's got the great hair. And she, she does like- great hair. Her voice actor did seem to like 
think about a character and like seem to be aware of like words as more than sounds. Like she's the one who puts the plan in motion. Like she sets everything off basically. She's like, here you go, you idiot father. Yeah, like she definitely has this, I love how that actor has this quality in her voice where it's like, hold my beer, let me figure this out, you know? Well, I also feel like on some level, like if Rothbart maybe would be, I I don't want him to succeed in his, his desire to like, keep Odette forever, but he would probably be maybe more successful if he actually had more like skills of manipulation that Odile has, mm-hmm. as opposed to just like blunt, like threats. And he's so idiot. Oh. Like, sorry. Also the part where he's just like, oh man, the, the squirrels have been getting into this drawbridge chain. You know, he's <laughs> like, oh, gotta keep, gotta put out some traps or something. It's like, sir. But wasn't Hans, wasn't that very brave of Hans? It was very brave of Hans. I'm not saying Hans doesn't have good qualities, but yeah. He's a real his motive his motivations are off, but he's a bit know. of a nice guy, you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So can I tell you the things that I still really enjoy? Yes, hit me. I love the sound effects, mm-hmm. like especially when the magic is happening. Like mm-hmm. when Odette transforms from swan to person, when you first mm-hmm. see that, that whole sound effect, I really like that. And how it matches perfectly with like the score. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like in the ball where Prince Siegfried is ignoring like, you know, the procession of princesses as potential brides and they're all saying their names. And he says Odette's name out loud and the princess, one of the princesses is like, oh, my name is Francine. And she's so insulted. No, I feel like that's also like this one really great moment of genuine comedy, you know, like it's like kind yeah. of on purpose. Like so much, of the, so much of the rest of the dialogue and the various things that happen are so like, this happened and then we went here and in the day I am a swan, but at night I transform, you know? And it was one thing mm-hmm. where it's like, oh yeah. And Francine's like, got dressed up, came all this way. Her name is Francine. I want to know what it was in the original like Japanese, but like, you know, it's just like Francine. Oh, can we talk about something that I found really funny watching it now is it's like, this is science for the film. Like every character, this is the reality. This is science. Odette as a swan is so hot. Also, Everyone agrees. <laughs> I just love that also she has a crown all the time. Mm-hmm. you know like she just always like and also like it's like a really small like swan head and then an even smaller little crown mm-hmm. that she just keeps mm-hmm. perched right there and they just are like yeah because that's how you know she's the hot swan <laughs> when Siegfried is like you know first declaring his love when I saw you as that beautiful swan <laughs> and it's like it's almost like he's like, like a half breath away of being like, I'd actually prefer if you would stay a swan. You would just stay you a know? swan, that's fine. We would love it. We would live happily ever after. Not a problem. One uh-huh. more thing we have not discussed is what happens at the end? Because like oh, yeah. Han, Siegfried like takes the sword and like it basically like stabs mm-hmm. himself. Yeah, and then a bunch himself. of light happens. As a kid, I'm like, oh, look at them. They look, they did it. They're alive. And, and you know, Hans and Margarita helped. But now watching it, I'm like, oh no, they're totally dead. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, that's the thing. And also at some point, isn't her crown somewhere too? Mm-hmm. Her, her crown, crown is fallen. also somewhere. Yeah. yeah. I think that, I think those cues and the fact that they, like, they stay up mm-hmm. in the sun, like the first production of that ballet, that's how they both die. And then they, they're in heaven together. So maybe that was a way of like the film doing, doing that ending and also being like, well, these are for kids. We can't show them like yeah. actually dying. Evil got destroyed and now they're just on a hill. So do you feel like you are part of a secret club? I do. I mean, I love anything that like people don't know about. <laughs> so, I mean, I might rewatch it. I don't know. It's very like, I don't know. I found it very like charming, like very comforting in its own oh, way. Oh, that's surprising. Okay. 
Because it is that for me, but that's because it's so embedded. I think maybe it's because it is reminding me of a lot of things that I watched when I was a child. And I kind of do miss that style of animation. And I I know why it's gone now. Mm -hmm. But you know, I'll add it to the rotation. Welcome to the the club. I'm excited to be here. (laughs) Okay, Nina. And now we're going to get to the part of um, the recommendation I gave to you last time, which was Atlantics, a film by Maddie Diop, which I really poorly pitched last week. Mm-hmm. But we settled on the good definition that literally is from the Wikipedia page of a supernatural romantic drama. So now you have watched it. And maybe I will try this time to give a synopsis that is better. And that let's focus is about Ada, who is this young girl in Senegal, who is sort of betrothed, kind of in a, almost in a, not quite an arranged marriage, but kind of to be married to this rich guy. But she has this boyfriend, Suleiman, who she really loves. And he like is working on a construction project. They're not getting paid anyway, but he and some guys set off at sea to go to Europe. Um, but Ada hears that they have been presumably lost. And that's sort of where we are. But then some, some strange occurrences start to happen that suggest that maybe Suleiman is still around. After watching this, I understood why you had such a difficult time because you don't you can't say you don't want to ruin it which I appreciate mm-hmm. so I'm glad that you didn't do that for there me but I do think like a w- maybe because I was looking at reviews and stuff and some of the reviews too, it's like oh man like you like certain phrasing or certain framing mm-hmm. of the film it's like you kind of give it away which I think is an interesting I mean I do think one thing I like about this movie is it is I don't know if it's unclassifiable but you know like it does not fit to me into really established categories mm-hmm I would agree with that. So, so how did you feel about it? Like, what were your impressions? I had feelings. I loved okay. Atlantics. Okay. Oh my I God. had, yeah. oh man, I really love this film. Mm-hmm. Um, I had the same feeling that I have when I finish a book that I really, really love. And you know, where like you're in that headspace, like you just closed, like you just read the last page, you close the book and like, it kind of gives you this kind of new thoughtfulness that you mm-hmm. haven't had and you feel kind of wonderfully blank. So you're just kind of swimming and feeling good. Like you're just literally in feelings. That I had, I, I haven't had that in a while for anything like books, music or anything. And I had this with this film. So I, yeah, I, you really delivered. You are really two for two here. Okay. Me. Also, I just got to say, this makes me, very happy. Like, I love that you love Boomerang, but like this also just validates me in a way that goes above and beyond. They're definitely so, in different mm-hmm. chambers of my heart. Um, but yes, I, 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 I like them both. No, it's just really good. Oh, it's so good. I, yeah. See, also it's I, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. This makes me very happy because sometimes I am like, Lauren, what if you do just like difficult movies that no one else wants to watch? And here you are like my, you're like my credential. Oh, I, See, I'll be I like, like Nina liked it. People will be like, well, Nina liked it. You know, like you have someone because so often I struggle oh, to get anyone I, to watch something. I think I think you're overestimating how much people will like because I like it. I don't have that much influence, Lauren. I don't think people are like, oh, Nina likes it. I'm going to give it a try. I don't really think. But still. Okay. I mean, if it, it makes you happy, it's quite a compliment to me, but I, mm-hmm. I just want to be honest. I don't think I have that kind of sway. Anyway, mm-hmm. what I was saying. For those of you who care about art, clearly Nina has now, you know. Okay. But this movie, I like, by the end of this movie, like I was a wreck. Like I was okay. crying. Yeah, I haven't done that in a while. And it felt really great. 
cathartic, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. So no, cause I feel like I won't like, I mean, I think part of it, I was planning on rewatching it, but then also like, cause it is so moving. You know, it is so like, it's an emotional experience. And I think I was a little bit like, oh, wow. You know, like you have to, I had to build up to it because I knew what was coming. Yeah, it's definitely not uh, it's like that kind of like easy digestible rewatch no. like Boomerang, but. Definitely not. Um, oh, too, like you said this in our, when you're like introducing this film to me and you were comparing it to Julie Dash's film. Mm-hmm. And yes, I totally see those. Okay. Like, I, I don't think that's off base at all. So. Okay. I mean, and I may but find out you- at some point that Maddie Diop also just. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems actually, it seems very likely she has seen Daughters in the Dust. So I'm going to put a um, like spoiler warning for those mm-hmm. who like are listening, but also want to watch this film and I want to protect the film for them. So mm-hmm. in the midst of our conversation, you will hear, I'll just put like a little bop and then you'll hear me saying the timestamp of where you can skip to. So you, you're not spoiled by anything. If that Beautiful. That's fair. Yeah, no, I think it's important for the movie. So what do you like so much about it? Like it's a deeply political film, but at the same time, it's different than I think a lot of political films you see where we're often they're political in the sense that they're like, they have characters have a political discussion and espouse certain views or argue about it. And I'm always like, why am I not just reading an essay or like on Twitter or something? Whereas this one is very deeply political. It's talking about, you know, a situation, a crisis that is still going on you know, that is still happening and that is still the subject of great quote unquote controversy, but it makes it this like deeply like human story and it remains really rooted, uh, you know, in, in these women and these men and the choices they are forced to make and the consequences that those have. Yeah. And like the mystery that was there that eventually I, I think I did start to suspect what it, what eventually is revealed, but it works at a lot of different levels and like, I, I don't know, I just... that's Well, see, that's something I do really like about the film is that this movie is not going to tell you anything. It's not going to explain anything mm-hmm. to you. It is literally like you just, you see things unfold and like, it's very much held together. Like it's a narrative of vignettes mm-hmm. and we're not going to get a lot of context. No. And in the end, you'll understand everything. But as it's happening you're not, you're just literally, like, you're kind of denied the, like, I don't know, I guess, like, the usual viscera that we associate with dramatic acting or dramatic Mm -hmm. acts. Yeah. You don't get that. You get something much more mm -hmm. interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And a little bit also, I mean, I think, you know, when, like, Toni Morrison talks about, like, the white gaze or something in, like, in the movie, how she's, like, you know, in all these books you read where you imagine that the narrator is, is talking to someone like he's talking to a white person explaining things that a person from this place would not need explained to them at all. Right. And so I think there is something to that too, where it's just like, it's like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be like explaining Senegal to you or explaining like French colonialism. Mm -hmm. Hey, it's Nina. For you listeners who want to avoid the spoilers in our following discussion, please skip to the 30 minute and 12 second mark of this episode. I think it's my first clue that like something weird was going to happen before anything weird happened was there's a shot of the ocean and it's the only shot where it seems like it's overhead, where it's like less of the perspective of like someone standing from the shore and you can see the waves coming at you. Mm-hmm. So the camera's kind of directly over and this really like eerie discordant music comes on mm-hmm. and the waves are not, they're not very active, but there's something in like the color of the waves, it kind of, to me, it reminded me of like, oh, like I love the ocean, but sometimes I'm still really scared when I get in the ocean because you don't know what's underneath you. And that shot really 
it was so evocative of that because it literally looked like there was bodies turning mm-hmm. under, or yes. something like something, something was like was re- in there. Yeah. Something was under just right under the surface trying to break through and it hadn't quite reached that. And then the movie from that shot and moved straight into the wedding. Oh yeah. And I thought that it's so good. Like just that sequence. But, oh, so for your question of like, when I figured out like what was happening. Yeah. It was like, I think the movie makes it pretty clear where it's like, you see the women in the, the man who owns the tower, you see him in his house Mm -hmm. and they're like, where's our money? And they literally say like, I think it's like tower 13. They like, they name the tower. So it's like Mm -hmm. pretty clear, like what's happening, that these women are being possessed by the spirits of the men who left and died at sea. Also, when did you realize the detective was Suleiman? Literally, like, as he came through and said, hi, I'm (laughs) Ada, it's me, it's Suleiman. (laughs) I didn't, I was not suspicious. Like, I didn't put his sickness Mm -hmm. to, like, I knew, I was like, oh, something is happening, like, the sickness, something is happening, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know that, like, he was also being possessed. Yes, I mean, I don't think, it took me a while, but I did think that was, I thought it was, I was reading this book and I haven't finished it, but it's called Elements of Surprise or something, but it's about how people in in novels basically create like almost these, like use things in your brain and assumptions you make to basically like, like drop information that later will be like, yes. And I feel like it does a really good job of this of where you're like, oh, like it creates this whole like, oh, he also is having a problem. And like, you know, you kind of build up a lot of things about like his story that then I think eventually there was some point where I was like, where it was like at night or something and Suleiman was seen, I was like, I think he gets sick because he just gets possessed. I love the shot where you first see the detective because like mm-hmm. first you see the shot of the burned mattress mm-hmm. and it goes from a close-up of that shot. And even then you're like, what am I looking at? And it goes straight to his face as he's like waking up from obviously losing time. He doesn't mm-hmm. know, like, you know. Also like, so yeah, one I thing, I want to go back to where the uh-huh. mattress like catches on fire at the at the party but I think Mm -hmm. what I love about it is the way it does capture like again you don't know what's going on like everything's very confusing and it's like something is happening but nobody knows you know like I feel like I really like the way again they're not going to explain to you what's happening I think it took a really long for me to be like oh their bed is on fire like what you know like I was I don't know that just sense of confusion yeah like like you're there like you are um you're a party goer almost you know like oh can I say something else yeah of course I love how this movie preserves not preserves but like not this movie will not explain all the supernatural elements like Mm -hmm. it does not explain how the fires get started but what is repeated over and over with all the fires is there's only two fires but that there it's mysterious there's no source Mm -hmm. i love that so much and then how the people who are possessed have this kind of power of escaping containment whether that's like some type of extreme strength or something else happens, but we don't see it, but we just see like, you know, there's the woman who gets, who gets jailed overnight mm-hmm. and then she's gone the next morning. Oh, yeah. And then the detective who is like handcuffed himself cause he knows, like he's seen himself in the video and he knows he's the one that set the fire on the, on the night of the wedding and he handcuffs himself. And then we later see him, like the handcuffs have been broken, like he's torn off. So, and I just love that. Like, I yeah. love how the movie does not, we don't see it. Yeah. It's unexplained, but it doesn't, it doesn't really matter, but I just love how it keeps some of the like supernaturalness in it. Yeah. I think it just doesn't, cause explaining it would probably ruin it, you know, like, mm-hmm. like, and it also didn't do it in a way like, you know, there's something like 
lost in translation where it's like you're never gonna know like what he whispers you know like where there's that like Mm -hmm. that lack of knowledge that is very deliberate and kind of to be like "Mm." whereas I think in this way it's more to be like no there's just a lot of things that are unknowable and it won't make sense and oh god and then another thing I thought was really great for all the actors who play the people who are possessed the really subtle like physicality the changes in their like the way oh, they yeah, move. The, when they become oh yeah. it's so good because it's just and the thing is we see everyone I guess other well no we do see the detective like moving on his own but like the women in particular like we see them first in the club and the way they like walk naturally the way they talk to each other we see like their kind of like their own innate physicality it's not extreme the difference but it is noticeably different mm-hmm. and it's so good it the way they walk the way they talk the way they like hold their head it's so good and it's so like again the direction like it's so specific like I just I like that someone has clearly taken a lot of care in like making mm-hmm. these decisions. You know, a thing that I really like is the guy who plays the rich guy who owns the tower who has cheated the construction yeah. workers of their pay is that his immediate recognition. He knows. He knows. Yeah. Like he, you see him like kind of denying it like a little bit, but the way just the way that man is acting with his eyes he knows immediately that he's fucked. Yeah. He's just like, uh-huh. Okay. In the end, honestly, the man got off easy. Yes. Like he just has to dig their graves, finally pay them, and they're going to leave them alone. Like that's very gracious. No, they should have put him in it, but whatever. No. Yeah. But like he, but at, but while it's happening, you don't know that. No, you like, don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. And when he's like, can I go? And they're like, no. And it still has those beats of horror that are so effective. Mm-hmm. And yet it's still within like this... I mean, it's, the movie is also like what you're saying. It's like such a mix of genres, but it's also still like a coming of age story. Yes. And it's also like a romance. Yeah. It's very, it is kind of in this way of like a better Romeo and Juliet in some ways, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's so full. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's, it's like, it's contained. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. You know, like it's contained yet at the same time, so much remains unknown. So much remains, you know, kind of left, you know, like I do think it, it is, I think a remarkable achievement. Okay, welcome back. Spoiler avoiders. Mm-hmm. Um, you're free here. You're safe. You're free here. here. No more will be mentioned. I'm excited to see what, um, what's her name? Maddie Duop? Maddie Diop, yeah. Maddie Diop. She actually I'm excited, has, she I'm has excited to see what she does next. Films. Yeah, because she has some short films. She actually has a short film. It's called, like, that has the same name, Atlantics, that is sort of like, I, I think I've watched it. It's like a 10 minute. It's on the Criterion channel, or it was at least. And it's sort of like a, not a prequel, but it's the thing she did first. And I think it's mm-hmm. a lot of the men or like the version of these men, a different version of them on the beach kind of talking about leaving. Oh, like they're by, okay. they're on a beach, they're by a fire and they're talking about leaving and what it requires and, and those things. Um, it's interesting, but she has, she mostly has some short films and I think she was going to do something where like she does have this, I think he's her uncle or maybe great uncle who was like a really famous Cinebalese Oh, right, you mentioned that, yeah. Who made, oh God, what's it called? It, it's in... But yeah, but again, I think she did, maybe she did something, another thing that was a short film where she revisited the actors who were in that movie that he made in the 70s and what they were doing in Senegal and what their lives had become. So no, no, she, it would be really interesting to see because she's also like in her late 30s. So mm. she's like, you know, for a director, pretty young. But <laughs> so I think people should come back to hear the discussion once they have watched this film and been moved. You know, if you've like also been in a similar quarantine mood where you feel nothing, and you, you know, want to change that up. You want to switch up a little bit. Watch this film. Watch this film. 
instant feelings or not instant, but like a slow build over the course of less than two hours. It's a perfect film. It's really good. No. Mm -hmm. I saw one review that was like something like, oh, it's great. But then like with a couple missteps at the end and I was like, you tell me what missteps, <laughs> what you tell me where you're like, what faults you're you seeing. Take that back right now. Like, Excuse me, sir. <laughs> But anyway, mm-hmm. he's going, he's trying to be sick, he's trying to really convey to him, like kind of in a really like Timmy fell down the well way that like a, you know, that like. Well, that's, that's not Hans, like. that's Margarita. Oh, that's Margarita? Oh my uh-huh. God, I take it all back. I'm sorry. 